So Joe, could you tell us a short introduction of who you are, uh, what you do, where you're from? I'd love to. Um, so my name's Joe. I'm married to Rob, who's here sat on the front waving at you. Um, and we live in the north of England, um, where it is pretty cold and wet, but probably not as cold as it gets here. <laughs> um, and we have got five children. Um, but only two of them live at home now. Our eldest, we have two boys and three girls. Our eldest son is married and studying at university. Um, our other son is studying at university and our eldest daughter is also married. So we are just left with our two younger girls at home, which is very quiet and weird. <laughs> it is a much quieter house than it used to be. Excellent, yes. So you come from the north of England, um, that's actually how I met you through Josh and Nina when you came to visit us here, uh, because you work with supporting church plants. Yes, and uh, yeah, so I've gotten to know you and Rob as very busy, high capacity people, you're supporting and serving the church, supporting other people, and in the midst of that, all that busyness, there's been some real struggles, so could you tell us about that? Yeah. So when people ask me what I do, I wear a number of hats. Uh, I don't know if you have that expression in Sweden, but we have that expression in England. Um, and so one of the things that I do is I work with Rob in the church. We're involved in uh, a number of churches and church plants just like this that we help to support. But really, the thing that I do mainly is that I'm a full-time carer for our children. Uh, and what I mean by that, I don't mean like a normal mum looks after their children. Our children are a little bit old for that now. Um, but four of our children are actually chronically ill. Uh, so for the last, oh, I was going to say 10 years, probably 12 years now, or longer, 14 years, I've been a full-time carer. Um, uh, our eldest son became ill when he was about 10. Um, and actually, as they have, it turns out that four of our five children are quite seriously ill, um, and that affects our day-to-day -day life massively. They, um, our eldest daughter is um, really mostly bed-bound, um, certainly house-bound. Uh, our other daughters are not quite house-bound, they're able to go out, um, but we might need to take a wheelchair with us because they can walk so far and then they might just lie down on the floor and not be able to carry on. Um, now, it, some of you have met my children and you might be surprised by this because they don't look like they're ill. They have a hidden illness. Um, and I think that in society, we're becoming more aware of hidden illnesses, but it's still very difficult for them because when you meet them, they look like they are fine, but they are not fine. Life is very, very hard for them. So although our eldest son is able to study at university, um, he isn't always able to go, and he's not always able to get himself there. And him, when he gets home, he might then not be able to walk up the stairs or get himself a drink. Um, they need a lot of help and support. So that affects our family massively. Um, it's obviously as you can understand a huge challenge um, and could leave me feeling very fearful about their future and what their lives will be like. Our daughters aren't able to go to school, um, we home educate them sort of but they're not really well enough to study very much. 
Um, so in terms of what their future will look like, there are lots of questions for us as to how their lives will be with their health as poor as it is. So that's quite a lot that you guys are facing as a family, lots of big questions and, and things about the future that are uncertain. How have you found kind of God at work in that situation? How does he help you through the day to day? Um, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, how do I explain how God helps us in these real challenges of life? Because the truth is life is hard and full of pain. And I am not the only person in this room who has difficult things in their life. Actually, I know all of you do. We all have challenges in our lives. And if we think that God is somebody distant and far off, then, uh, then that doesn't really help us very much. Um, but I think a lot of things this morning have been said already about having a relationship with God. Uh, that being a Christian isn't about keeping rules and doing stuff. It's about having a real living relationship with a Father God who cares about us. Um, and uh, I believe you have a king and queen in Sweden. We, we have a queen in England. Um, and you can read stuff in the newspapers about celebrities, about the king and the queen. But you can't ever really know if it's true unless you personally know them, and then you might have a better idea. And that's what a relationship with God is like. We can read stuff in the Bible about God, but we can't know that it's true unless we experience it. If we experience a relationship with God, then that changes everything. Then we don't just read in the Bible that God is faithful and good and kind, we actually know it because we experience it in our lives. And that's where faith turns into action. It's a real life experience. My relationship with God isn't just something that I read about in the Bible or hear Josh speak about on a Sunday. My relationship with God is an everyday experience of his goodness and kindness. And because I know that God is for me and not against me. I know that because the Bible says it, but I also know it because I experience it every day. And that gives me hope and joy and peace. And I know that my children have got a hope and a good future because I know that God is for them. Not just because I read that, because I experience it every day. That's so encouraging to hear, absolutely. Um, do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe going through a similarly challenging season of life where maybe it doesn't look like there's an end in sight? What would you tell them? I, I would say three things to somebody who is experiencing difficult things in their life. I would say, firstly, be honest with yourself about the fact that life is hard. We live in a society that tells us to be independent and put a brave face on things. And that causes us to not really even be honest with ourselves that things are difficult sometimes. Secondly, I would say be honest with other people around you. Tell people when things are hard. Because we are not made to cope with life on our own. We need people and we need relationships. And thirdly, I would say be honest with God. Because God actually does love us. He is for us. He is good and kind. And he has 
got a good future for us and who can make a difference in our lives. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, awesome word on, you know, just dreading with God through the seasons in life and whatever comes with that. And actually, I get to hand off to Joe again because now she's going to do a short uh, message for us. So if that wasn't enough, now you get to hear more from me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you have to blame Josh. Your second hat. That's a, a different hat. That was my mummy hat. This is my teaching hat. Um, so I want to share with you for the next 20 or 30 minutes, don't panic, I will not go on forever. I promise. Um, and... Firstly, I want to start by telling you about somebody I know. His name is Peter, and I'm going to tell you a bit of his story. But in order to understand this story, you have to remember, you have to realise that we are going back quite a few years. This story starts in about 1970, a long time ago. <laughs> Before I was even born, that's how long ago, a long time ago. Some of you might remember 1970, I don't. Um, and this young man, Peter, was at school, finishing his A-levels before going to university. And while he was there, he met a beautiful young woman. Her name was Christine. And he quite liked her. And they began to go out. But they went out for some months, but there was a problem. And the problem was this, that he was going to university and he was going to be studying a long way away. And they felt like a long distance relationship wasn't really going to work. And they decided that the sensible thing to do was to break up. And Peter was very, very sad. When Peter tells this story, he says he pined for Christine. He never really got, he thought about her all the time and he never really could feel the same without her. But off he went to university um, and began his studying. Now, when he arrived at university, he began to meet some people. And one day he was walking down the road and a young man came up and spoke to him. And this young man's name was Yemi. And Yemi didn't just want to chat about the weather. Yemi wanted to talk about Jesus. Now, Peter did not want to talk about Jesus. He believed that there was a God. He had been to church. But he didn't really feel like that was something that he wanted to be a part of his life. And he really did not want to meet Yemi to have a cup of coffee and talk about God. But Peter had a problem. You see, remember, this is 1970. This is 1970 and Peter grew up in Kent. He had never, ever met a black man before. And Yemi was black. And Peter was very worried that he might offend Yemi. He was worried that if he said, I do not want to meet you, Yemi would think it was because Peter was racist. So because he wanted to show that he wasn't racist, he agreed to meet with Yemi. <laughs> he did not want to, but he had to, to prove that he wasn't scared to meet with a black man. So off they went for coffee. 
and they talked. And for Peter, it wasn't a very comfortable conversation because Yemi began to challenge some things that Peter believed. You see, Yemi began to ask Peter what he thought about God. And Peter said, yes, I, I believe there is a God. I've, I've been to church. Uh, but I don't really know what I think about that means for my life. And he said, really, I haven't decided. I am sitting on the fence. I am not on this side making a decision or this side. And Yemi said something that changed Peter's life. He said, Peter, there is no fence. The Bible says that you are either for God or you are against him. You cannot sit on the fence. There is no fence to sit on. And Peter was very shocked. But he sort of understood what Yemi was saying. And that, that night... He went back to his room at university. Now, Peter is a mathematician. He was studying mathematics. He is a very logical person. And he went back to his room and he sat down at his desk and thought, if what Yemi says is true, then I have a decision that I have to make. I can't sit on the fence if there is no fence, I have to choose. Am I for God or am I against him? And Peter sat at his desk and made a decision that he was going to stay there until he had made up his mind. Now we are talking about a 19-year-old young man. I know quite a lot about 19-year-old boys. They get hungry. <laughs> They really like food. And by now, it is about four o'clock in the afternoon. And Peter has just decided he is not getting up from this desk until he has made a decision. But by six o'clock, he will be really hungry. So he better get on with it. Now, Peter made a decision that day that we're going to look at in a minute. And the decision was that he decided that looking at the evidence, he couldn't choose to be against God. He had to choose to be for him. But it was a very painful decision because he thought he knew what that meant. He thought that choosing to be for God meant this, giving up everything happy in life, being really dull and boring, having to do a lot of stuff that he didn't like go to church every week that he didn't really want to do and he felt like this decision maybe would be really sad for the rest of his life but because he had considered the evidence he felt it was a decision he still had to make and he gave his life to jesus that day now, the good news is he was wrong about the consequences of that decision. But about two years later, I just must end this story. It's very important that you hear the happy ending also. He went back home for Christmas. His birthday is at Christmas, so he was turning 21. 
and his parents threw a big party for him. Remember, we mentioned Christine at the beginning, who he was still pining for. Christine wasn't really pining for him. She'd had some other boyfriends and <laughs> been to a lot of parties and was having a nice time. Um, but she did really like Peter. And it turned out that she came to his 21st birthday party and they met again. Ah, oh, you can say, ah, oh, it's very sweet. But the problem was that Peter was a different person to who he had been before. Because he now had Jesus in his life. And he was a bit worried about telling her about this. Because he thought that she might reject him. That she might reject Jesus. But the happy part of this story is that in these two years, Christine had also encountered Jesus. She had given her life to him. And that was the beginning of the two most important relationships in my mum and dad's lives. Ah, <laughs> It's a very sweet story, isn't it? But I don't want us just to hear this sweet story today. It is very sweet. But I want us to have a look at this decision that Peter made. I am going to suggest that we return to that desk where he sat and we look at this choice he made because this was the biggest decision of his life and it's an important one for us to consider for ourselves. So, we are going to look at four things that happened at that desk in 1970 or so, a long time ago, but they're things that are important for us all to consider today. So the first thing that Peter had to do, sitting at his desk, was work out whether he really needed to be there or not in the first place. Whether he really needed God. Whether there was, in fact, even a question to answer or a problem to solve. See, the Bible talks about this thing called sin, which sounds like a really uncomfortable word. And if we don't really have a problem with sin in our life, if we are actually good enough, then there isn't a question to answer. We don't need God if there isn't a problem. But I don't know about you, but I do know about me. I know that I'm not quite perfect. I'm sure most of you are. Mm, no, maybe I'm not so sure. In fact, maybe, Verity and Emil, could you just come and help me for a minute? I thought that maybe we should find out how perfect we are. And I have seen a movie called Mary Poppins. And she has a really good way of finding out how perfect people are. She measures them up. Verity, I've measured you up. Do you think that you could maybe read what it says about, about you? Servant-hearted and very gentle. Can be grumpy when she's hungry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it true? I know Verity a little bit. I know that she is servant-hearted and very gentle. Is she sometimes grumpy when she's hungry? 
I don't know. The, the measure says she is. Emil, what about you? Can you reach? I don't know. You're very tall. Right. Oh, right up there. Okay, now this one for you. Always kind and very generous, sometimes too proud to ask for help. Oh. It's not me saying it, it's just the measure. I don't know, that could be true. What about me? Oh, could you hold the bottom? Thank you. Has a cheery disposition, is very bossy and super stubborn. I, Rob, no, it's true. Rob says it's true. <laughs> Rob says it's true. Thank you, you can sit down. Thank you for being so kind. <laughs> the truth is that if we were to measure each one of you, you know the sorts of things that are true about yourself. And lots of it is good, isn't it? Lots of it is good. You're great people. I know some of you quite well. You are kind. You are good. And when we think about sin, we like to measure ourselves against other people. We like to measure ourselves against really bad people that make us look better. When we think about sin, we think about murderers and rapists and robbers and people who are really, really wicked. And that makes us feel quite good because we are not as bad as them. But each one of us has things in our lives that we are not so proud of. In fact, I'm going to go even further than that. Sometimes the things that are good about us, we aren't even good at all the time. It is generally true to say that I have quite a cheery disposition. People who know me would say, yeah, that is true. But sometimes I'm grumpy as well. One day when I had just two very small children, I had just had my second baby, I was walking down the road pushing the pram. And Ben, my little three-year-old, was walking, holding onto the pram, being very good. And an old lady came and stopped us. This happened all the time. They wanted to look at the baby. Ah, oh, cute baby. Very nice. And then because they were kind old ladies, they would not want Ben, my toddler, to feel left out. So they would turn to Ben and say, oh, is this your brother? He would say, yes. And they would say, what is his name? And he would say, Micah. Now, he was right. His brother's name is Micah. M-I-C-A-H. Micah. The old lady would say, oh, lovely. Michael. And Ben would say, no. His name is Micah. And the old lady, we had this conversation so many times, old ladies would say, oh, lovely, Michael. <laughs> and he would say, no, Micah. And the old lady would look at me very confused, every time, always the same. But when I was in a good mood, I would say, yes, his name is Micah. And I would spell it 
and they would say, oh, that is unusual. Where is that named from? And I would say, oh, it's in the Bible. And then they would be a bit embarrassed that they didn't know the name. And usually we would then talk about the weather. But one day, because <laughs> we're English, that's what we do. Um, one day, I was not in a good mood. And at that point, I said, yes, Micah, it is in the Bible. The old lady looked very embarrassed that she didn't know this name. And I said, yes, actually, it is a whole book of the Bible named Micah. <laughs> and then she looked really, really embarrassed. And you know, it wasn't kind. It wasn't kind of me to embarrass her more. But I was in a bad mood. And my cheeriness had worn off. I was fed up with having the same conversation. Obviously, we should not have called him Micah. <laughs> it was our fault. It is too unusual. He has to spell it all the time. Nobody can read it. Misha, they say. He does not correct them because he is kinder than me. I always correct them. Even the things that we are good at, we are not always good at. We actually have a problem we can't be the people that we want to be. And that day Peter had to acknowledge that nice a man as he was, he wasn't perfect. He had a problem in his life. No matter how good he wanted to be, he would often fail. The second thing Peter had to consider, once he had acknowledged, okay, maybe there was a problem, maybe he wasn't always as good as he wanted to be, was this question of whether he really even believed this stuff about Jesus. Now, Peter is a very logical man, a very clever man. He understood that the question wasn't whether, wasn't did Jesus exist? Jesus is just a historical figure. It is an accepted fact. There is no historian that would disagree that Jesus walked the earth. I think we can accept that as a fact. The question isn't whether Jesus existed. The question is who he was. Was he just a good man and a good teacher or was he God? This is a massive question. It is in fact the question. Now lots of people say that Jesus was just a good teacher. In fact, lots of people say that his teaching was very good. And they would say also, by the way, he never actually said that he was God. It can be a little bit tricky when we read our Bibles in the Western world in 20, 2018, is it? Is that the year? 2018. <laughs> it can be a bit tricky because actually when we read the words of Jesus, he doesn't explicitly say, I am God. Not to our ears. But I'm going to say to you today that he does say that. Jesus did claim to be God. 
And I'm going to use one example of how he said that, because we do not have time to look at hundreds. We will look at, we will look at one, okay? You see, Jesus didn't very often say, no, let me start, let me start differently. Right now, today, if I were to put up a slide on the screen that said, hashtag me too, you would all know what that meant, yes? That is true. That is meaningful to you. A couple of years ago in England, if I had come up to you in the street and said, in or out, everybody would have understood what I meant. I would have been asking about Brexit. I wouldn't have needed to say anything more than the words in or out, and every adult in England would have known what I meant. Language is like that, isn't it? Things can have meaning to some people and not to others, or at a period in time or a context. Right now, me too has a meaning that 10 years ago, it would, would have had no meaning at all. It, and perhaps in 20 years' time, nobody will remember that expression. But to us right now, it is very meaningful. I tell you this because it is really important that you understand the words of Jesus as they would have been understood by the people he was speaking to. See, what we do see in the Bible a lot is Jesus calling himself a name. The name he calls himself is the Son of Man. You may have read this in your Bible. If you haven't, you can look, you can Google it. Son of Man. Lots of times, in fact, I wrote it down. 81 times in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. And you say to me, so what? So what? That is not saying that he is God. Well. The people he was talking to were Jews. They were Jews who knew the Old Testament scriptures. And when Jesus said son of man, it was like hashtag me too. It meant something. He was quoting from the book of Daniel. Now I am going to read to you two verses from the book of Daniel. And you tell me, have a think, to a Jewish hearer, if you say that you are the Son of Man, what are you really saying? Daniel writes this, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given all authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Allow me to suggest to you that when Jesus called himself the Son of Man, he was explicitly stating that he was God. He is the one whom all people and in every language will worship. Jesus was not ambiguous on this point. 
He claims to be God. And that leaves us with only three possible conclusions about this man. Either he was totally mad. If Josh stood up today and said, by the way, I am God, we would all know, run away. (laughs) Run away. (laughs) If he believes that, if he says he is God and he believes that, he is mad. He is mad. And that is one conclusion you could make about Jesus, that he was actually unhinged, insane, not in his right mind. I would suggest it is not a popular opinion about Jesus in the world. I don't mean it in Christian culture, I mean in any secular culture. Jesus is not somebody who is thought of as crazy. But he did claim to be God, and therefore we have to allow that that is one possibility. The second option is that he was in fact wicked, that he was evil. Because if he said he was God and knew that he wasn't, that is like some kind of evil genius or just evil person to tell people that you are God, that they should follow you, that you have got the answers to life. Either you are mad or you are, or you are wicked. You are deliberately misleading and lying to people. Or there is one more possibility, that it is true. Logically, those are the only options open to you. To say that Jesus was just a good man and teacher makes no sense. It is not logically possible. It might feel comfortable to tell yourself that, but it is not a logically possible option for a man who said that he was God. And Peter made a choice at his desk that day that logically there was only one conclusion that Jesus was who he said he was. I wonder what you think. Thirdly, and we mentioned this earlier, Peter counted the cost. He felt like the decision he was making would ruin all the happiness in his life. He thought he would have to start wearing socks and sandals. Now, I'm not going to lie, I think he did sometimes wear socks and sandals. I can remember. But not because of being a Christian, just, I don't know, some weird fashion statement. I've never really understood it myself. (laughs) He thought that he would have to stop going to parties and not do anything fun anymore. He was looking at the wrong cost, but there is a cost. The Bible says that when we choose to follow Jesus, we die to ourselves. And we belong to him. We're choosing to let God be in charge of our lives. We're choosing to live a different way. But what I'm suggesting to you is, if you think that that is a sad thing, 
like Peter, you are seeing it all wrong. You see, this problem of sin that we talked about, if we imagine sin is like fish hooks, we are swimming along, little fishy, and we swallow, it looks nice, doesn't it? A little worm on a hook, if you're a fish. If you're a fish, it looks nice, a tasty meal. You swallow it, and the hook gets stuck in you. Sin is like that. We get trapped by it. We can't be the good people that we want to be. No matter how cheery and friendly and nice we are, sometimes we are rude to an old lady. And sin is like that. There is a cost of following Jesus. The cost is choosing to let God be in charge of our lives. But when we do that, he comes along and he cuts those fishing lines. He frees us from the power that sin has over our lives. Now, does that mean that we become immediately perfect, good people? No. Because it is a lifetime's work of removing those fish hooks. And I imagine if you are a fish, having a fish fish hook pulled out of your mouth is a little uncomfortable. It's maybe not pleasant for a moment, but then you are free. And living the Christian life is like that. God is at work in our lives. Things are not always easy and perfect. I have told you that about my own life today. Things are not always easy and perfect. But God is at work making me a better person, giving me freedom and hope and a future. What time are we supposed to finish? So, now, okay, okay. Luckily, I'm just wrapping up. <laughs> that was handy. <laughs> Fourthly, Peter had to make a decision to do something about this. He could have sat at his desk forever, undecided and very hungry. <laughs> he was motivated by his stomach to choose quick. <laughs> He, like me, is a stubborn man. Once he sets his mind to something, he will do it. He wasn't going to get up until he had chosen. It was the biggest decision of his life. And I am suggesting to you today that that is a decision that every person has to make. That every person is making. You may feel like you are on the fence. I don't know what I believe. And what was true for him is true for you. There is no fence. You are either for God or against him. And being part of God's family, you have heard lots of people pray and say things today and share about how wonderful that is. About what amazing freedom and hope in life God brings. But you have a choice to make. Who do you say Jesus was? Now, I'm going to finish here, but this is what we are going to do. You have to give me one more minute of your time. We are all going to close our eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes open, just so you know, because otherwise I will fall over something, because I like to wander around, and there will be a crash. As I, it's not good. I will keep my eyes open. We are all going to close our eyes. And I am going to pray. 
if you feel like God is speaking to you today, if you feel like, I have never really thought about this before, but I think what she says sounds true. Maybe there is a God. Who was Jesus? Mad? Wicked? Or God? If you want to make that choice today to put your hope and trust in Jesus, if you can agree with what I pray, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody else is going to see. You do not have to feel embarrassed. But you, I would like you to raise your hand and say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. So now I'm going to pray. Keep your eyes closed. Thank you. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a good God, that you are God, that you have made a way for me to be free 